restaurants and kept their old masters on the proceeds. Young people were trained to make artificial flowers and straw hats. Why the émigrés continued to be loved by society was a mystery to the Mrs. Bencastles of England. The war with France was finally over, and that ogre, Napoleon, was incarcerated on Elba. But their soldiers had taken so many British lives. The poorest of the French émigrés took their superiority to the English for granted. Most never bothered to master the English language. They plumed themselves as missionaries of dress, deportment, taste, and elegance, despising their host John Bull, who lived on spleen and tea. And so, to Mrs. Bencastle, Cavendish Square was thronged with posturing popinjays. But Delphine found herself caught up in the frivolous atmosphere, the intoxicating gaiety. She moved among the booths with their fluttering ribbons, listening to the chatter and rattle of rapid French all about her. She shyly asked the price of a fan in halting French, and then shook her head in amusement at the exorbitant sum. The pert demoiselle behind the counter promptly mentioned a lower price. Delphine again shook her head. The price went down again, and before she knew it, Delphine found herself haddling away in fluent French, while Mrs. Bencastle stood a little apart, glaring in disdain. Mrs. Bencastle looked, in fact, like a female John Bull. She had a heavy, pugnacious face, and a large stomach and bosom formed into one round mass by an Apollo corset. She wore a low-crowned hat, very like a man's, its severity modified by two tall pheasant's tail feathers stuck in the band. She was dressed from head to foot in black. She wore, winter and summer, wool on top and flannel underneath. Delphine found that the only reassuring thing about Mrs. Bencastle was that she was always the same, grumpy and critical. There were no wild swings of mood, and Delphine could not once remember having seen Mrs. Bencastle smile. Mrs. Bencastle held her large umbrella firmly by its heavy ivory handle, which was carved in the shape of a dyspeptic duck and wondered how soon she could get Delphine to leave. Delphine, she thought sourly, was turning more French by the minute. Delphine, despite her English upbringing, was French in appearance and manner. She was small and energetic, with golden skin and masses of dark hair. Her eyes were large and pansy-brown, and slightly almond-shaped. She threw back her head and laughed at something the young salesgirl was saying, and Mrs. Bencastle thought bitterly that even her laughter sounded French. Of course, George must have been in his dotage to marry a penniless foreigner hardly out of the schoolroom. Poor George, thought Mrs. Bencastle, heaving a gusty sigh. Little did he think, as he lay on his deathbed, that his young wife would be laughing in that sickeningly carefree way when he was hardly cold in his grave. The fact that Sir George had died three years ago meant little to Mrs. Bencastle, who had gone into mourning for her own husband and had never come out of it, as far as dress was concerned. Sir George had once told Delphine that his sister had always been so, that even as a young girl Maria had perpetually looked as if she were prepared to attend a funeral. At last Delphine purchased the fan and joined Mrs. Bencastle. "'Have you seen enough?' asked Mrs. Bencastle crossly. "'Oh, no,' said Delphine. I really must buy some more things to help these poor people. These poor people, as you call them, snorted Maria Bencastle, 
would go farther and fare better if they learned the king's English, throwing my brother's good money to a lot of wastrels. Delphine stopped walking. Enough, she said in a small, cold voice. It is because I manage the estate so well and study the latest improvements in agriculture that we have no wants. Sir George left us comfortably enough, but I have trebled his money as even you must admit, Maria. Furthermore, if you are going to persist in being rude and ungracious and in spoiling my day, then we will return to Marsham, and once there, we will discuss your future. You do not need to stay with me, Maria, as well you know. I am prepared to set you up comfortably anywhere you wish. I only said what I thought was right, mumbled Mrs. Bencastle. Then if saying the right thing means being rude, why do you not essay to say the wrong thing once in a while? said Delphine tartly. You're a bore, Maria. And with that,